Welcome to the Omni Gamers Club podcast. This is Mark Uesa. And this is Daniel Winter. How are you, Mark? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, I, uh, I've had a bit of a hectic week, so I'm looking forward to talking about games. So I hear, yeah, I uh, somewhat uh, hectic myself. The last week has been a bit of a fever dream of food poisoning and Elden Ring nonstop. So uh, a bit of a blur, uh, but uh, coming coming through the side now. And uh, yeah, looking forward to discussing what else we've been playing. Well, it's good to hear you're on demand and I guess games are a form of therapy for, for both of us that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice. All right. So tell us uh, about Elden Ring. How's that been going for you? Uh, well, let me just um, take a deep breath here while I try to resist talking about that for the whole episode <laughs> i easily i easily could feel that uh it's 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 a lot of fun so far i'm taking my time with it it's sort of very it's very, as, as most people know it's a, a dark soul style game but much more open world now you can approach the the, the objectives in basically any order that you want so and i mean the the, the moment to moment mechanics are going to feel very similar uh in terms of the combat and how your your options for you said weapons and magic and all that sort of thing but you have a little more flexibility in in how how you approach things how how you approach challenge in the game i guess like if you come across something that's too challenging for you you can just go off wherever else you feel like and explore and and try try a, a different boss instead so i i, I like the freedom in that uh i i do think it, it it's obviously a very ephemeral game as, as that series always has been in terms of it not explaining anything about the story or the setting or even its mechanics and i think it errs a little bit on on the uh going a little too far i like some mystery in my games i like not it not being handheld but it needs to exp- it, it doesn't really explain what it needs to well enough and that's in addition to obviously all the discussion around accessibility that uh, I'm sure everyone is is hearing. I don't think there's any harm in adding an easy mode to, to Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah, that that could be a whole discussion because accessibility doesn't necessarily mean easy. Uh, but I, I think there's been whole podcasts talking about that. To tell the truth, I actually also have dipped into the Elden Ring Apple. Uh, I haven't been playing it nearly as much as you. Uh, What I can say of my experience so far is that I like to ride horses and spam wandering bands of skeletons. (laughs) I I, I didn't know you you partook. Uh, I got the better of you, I guess. (laughs) Everyone's been talking about it. (laughs) Uh, Everyone has been talking about it. I am a bit of a Soulsborne neophyte. I had Bloodborne back in the day. I, I played it for... A bit and saw you know a bit of the world and you know I definitely saw what people are going for and I also feel the same way about this like it hasn't hooked me and I think that's okay I was thinking of coming back to it and that's totally fine I'm just kind of treating it like a like a treat for the future as I'll I'll dig into it on a rainy <laughs> day or weekend or maybe spring break. Well, maybe I can uh, guide you through some uh, suggestions of, of where you might go to find some hooks. But I think we can um, maybe say, table that discussion uh, <laughs> in the all, the all video game episode. Maybe we'll do a full episode on Elden That's, that's what I'm Who thinking, knows? yeah. We'll, we'll see. I, I didn't know you were playing that game. <laughs> um, so in, in terms of, of board games, I have, it's been a quiet week with, with the sickness, obviously, but uh, I, I do have a, a neighbor. Uh, we're still working our way through my city, the 
legacy light game from Reiner Knizia. About half, nearly halfway through the campaign, I think, and, that, and, that, and we're still really enjoying that. It's it's um, very like small, bite-sized sessions, like what 20, 30 minutes each game, and it, it's quite interesting. It, it's not really a linear progression in constantly ramping up new mechanics and just adding more and more stuff on. There's actually there are distinct chapters. Like the the game is. Uh, it's it's the missions are built into like i think it's eight three yeah let's say three sorry eight chapters of three missions each and there are each chapter has a distinct arc that's introducing a mechanic but then it might take that away by the time of the next episode so it's not constantly adding stuff on there are sort of waves of adding stuff and then taking it away uh as, as the years pass in this city i guess so still enjoying that we we were literally having a discussion about how there's not a lot of interaction in the game. There's not there's no real reason to look at your opponent's board and what they're placing. And then the very next mission, that all changed. So it's still keeping us on our toes and looking forward to to seeing that through. Hopefully, very cool. Uh, I've been continuing my grand tour of the Borderlands video game series. I've gotten very far in number three again after beating it of course and i'm now restarting pretty much the early phases of borderlands 2 so i kind of did a reversal <laughs> i finished one on the full pretty far in three and then jumped back into tiny tina's and then now i'm back into two so i'm getting a, a crazy uh, perspective on that series which is fun and enjoyable on the analog side I've been playing a little bit of Tapestry on BGA, so not really analog per se. And, you know, that game is interesting. That's kind of all I'll say about that game. I'm not good at it. No, me neither. (laughs) I have won that game, but when I win that game, I feel like it's entirely by accident. That I got the right setup and the right cards and things just lined up for me. I don't think that's necessarily bad. I've seen players that are really good but I don't know how to be good at that game or how to enjoy it, but I still find it very interesting. So, yeah, I, I, I regularly lose that game by over a hundred points and I, I just can't crack the puzzle. There obviously <laughs> it, there is some art to doing well in that game. I can't see it. It just feels like too much luck to me, to be honest. I, it's very, it's a very charming game in terms of the art and presentation, but uh, in terms of strategy, I don't think it's really for me. Yeah, I don't think it's nearly as robust as uh, some of uh, his other games like um, Scythe, which I I think Mm. is really solid. Uh, Even the base game and the first uh, expansion are really solid for that game. So I'm not against those games per se. Uh, But the game I have been playing more of of late is a a big game, a a game from one of my favorite designers, but I never really partook of, which is called uh, A Feast for Odin. So I noticed that uh, the game had a solo mode. I really enjoyed playing Agricola solo. You know, I've played that probably 200 times. So I gave a crack at it and was obviously bewildered uh, the first time I tried it. But, you know, there's really no stakes when you play solo, right? It's like, you can lose, but who are you really losing against? <laughs> so, so I played three or four games of A Fist for Odin solo, starting to learn, you know, kind of the shape of the game. And uh, I, I even started a game uh, with human beings. And I've been playing that asynchronously on Board Game Arena as well. I'm doing relatively okay, but that first game isn't done yet. So <laughs> I still, let's just say I still have the training wheels on. So we'll see how <laughs> I turn out in that game. 
Sorry, I'm just taking a note here to never play Agricola with you. <laughs> 200 games, it's a lot. Uh, but um, so, Solo's a different beast. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I've played the Feast for Odin once a few years ago, and I've been, I bounced off at the time. I was very overwhelmed by the, the range of options. It's, I mean, as with many, as most of uh, Uwe's games, you really need to dedicate yourself to a few games just to learn what the options are before you can even start to dig into what the actual strategies are. And I, I really want to really re- revisit that with a more open mind and know what I'm in for. But uh, yeah, it's it's, a, it's certainly a, an intimidating <laughs> behemoth of a game. Yeah, it is very intimidating. The dis- graphic design of it is intimidating. The the theme of it is intimidating. But it's actually really quite charming. You know, like a, a Agricola can be, uh, once you get past over the you know starvation and the destitution. Uh, and I, I recommend Solo. Uh, I think you can definitely get a handle on the basics playing that game solo. So here. Sure, check it out. Though it is, it is also my nemesis uh, in that it ruins my SEO for um, for uh, board game feast. You search for my name for, for content, and all you get is is feast for Odin. <laughs> all you got to do is a board game feast for Odin stream, and then yes, you're, that's you're probably why I need parts. to I need to learn to love this game so I can so I can em- embrace it and and, and finally uh, we can we can join and by our forces combined <laughs> take over take over the hobby <laughs> there you go uh shall we move into our our main game of the night let's do it what are we featuring this episode it's a game uh in a beloved series of mine but maybe i'll have a different opinion about this outing it's called tiny tina's Assault on Dragon Keep, a Wonderlands one-shot adventure, I believe is the full name. <laughs> Bit of a mouthful. Right. And it belongs to the Borderlands series, which we'll explain how that all fits in. It's on pretty much all platforms right now, except not not Switch, but it's on, on PC and, and all the PlayStation, Xbox consoles. Uh, developed by Gearbox. And it originally came out as an, a DLC for Borderlands 2, I believe. I think that's right. Yeah, Borderlands 2, famously maybe the most popular of that series. Uh, of course, the, the publisher is 2K, as it always has been. And uh, that DLC came out all the way back in 2013. And I guess it's fair to say it's the sort of the big one. There's always a big DLC out of the four. It, it closed off the, 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 the whole se- sequence, or the, the season pass, as it were, I guess. <laughs> and uh, this game is is uh very much based on that but it's a tweaked up version that came out uh just in november of the of 2021 and it's sort of a lead up to the forthcoming wonderland tiny tina's wonderlands full outing brand new game coming out in march 2022 yeah uh any day now i think i mean i'm, I'm gonna be busy with with, with Elden ring for a long time so not, oh, not looking sure. at that but uh yeah I'm, I'm curious about the new one so this has been i'm as we've discussed, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the series, so it's been a fun excuse to to go back. It's going to be hard to talk about this as a standalone without the the, the baggage of of Borderlands Two um, having been a DLC and and also the wider series. Uh, but I, th- I think these all help frame the discussion a little bit. Yeah, I think it's okay if we delve into Borderlands in general a little bit because, um, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be fair to talk about this if, uh, you know, people are unaware of the series. Like, maybe we should bring it all 
back to the roots and say, you know, what what type of game is this? Borderlands was one of the first, I would say, looter shooters. A shooter, if you will. Yeah, which has kind of blown (laughs) up as a popular um, category of late with games like Destiny and things like that. I'm trying to think, would would this have been the first? I'm reluctant to say that to make that declaration, but it would have been one of the first, I I bet. It's it's definitely the first in in my memory, or or one that made it so blatant that that's what it was going for. Obviously, action RPGs have been around forever with games like Diablo, but this one puts loot at the forefront but the primary gameplay mechanism uh, of this is that it's a first-person shooter. So kind of think, you know, Halo mashed up with Diablo and with a wacky sense of humor, and that's essentially what you can expect from this. Kind of like Diablo, as you said, but the, the loot is guns. You're, everything you kill is just dropping crazy new guns uh, that are somewhat randomized. Uh, with with various effects, I, I know the, the the marketing in this is always sixty two billion possible combinations of guns or something along those lines, um, and and of course you've got multiple characters that each have it's in in this at least in Tiny Tina's it's up to six characters to choose from. They all have their own skills. You're sort of unlocking skill trees to have special abilities and and, and power ups. Um, and and further tweaking how you shoot things, basically. The the setting is very... It's it's sci-fi, but sort of Western dystopian sci-fi on a sort of very run-down ramshackle planet. Like the parts of it you see, at least, are generally very run-down and ramshackle, but always overshadowed by these giant megacorp gun manufacturers. That's right. Yeah, I think the first game was much more explicit about the influence that the Mad Max movies had. I think there's some direct parodies of the those movies and those movie characters, and definitely the the bandits out in the desert in the trashed out refit retrofitted vehicles is pulled directly from that. But since then, it's sort of expanded in, into this sort of galaxy spanning sci-fi adventure with you know jumping into spaceships and low gravity lunar escapades and fighting against robots and things like that but uh, this particular outing tiny tinas it's a fan it's a it's a game within a game borderlands largely being very dependent on memes and references obviously uh is is drawing from a a whole other um arc of of references in doing its own versions of dungeons and dragons in this case bunkers and bad asses and our um eponymous tiny tina is is the 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 dm she's running a game of bunkers and bad asses uh with several of the other characters as her players narrating you through an adventure and you're so you're playing from within the world of this role-playing adventure while she and the, the other characters sort of narrate their actions and, and roll in the dice and skill tests and that sort of thing. <laughs> it's very ex- explicit after the intro movie that you're sitting down at the table. And it's sort of like a meta game, isn't it? It's, it's like the characters talk about saying, oh, that's such a cheesy name for this character or it's such a weird contradictory setting and then the whole world reshapes itself around the changing description and i think that's one of the coolest aspects that happens fairly early even right in the first area 
I'm in the first 30 seconds uh, when you land on the unassuming docks, it's called the, the first area. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm a complete sucker for meta sort of fourth wall breaking to be honest and and so i i eat up this sort of thing it, it's certainly not the first time it's been done i think the game that comes to mind is the call of juarez i think that very much had a a, a narrator uh right. that that was the, the unreliable narrator that, that's changing the story as you go oh no it wasn't like that there were three guys not two and then so the game and what you're facing dynamically changing in front of you uh and, and, and this that's a lot with that um you, you might be facing a boss and that just immediately kills you because they, they, they're impossible to kill you literally die and lying on the ground bleeding out and the character's complaining that it's too op so it's, it's, it's too it's too strong and so the game will dynamically change and and the, they'll bring you back on your feet and with a, with a an easier boss uh and so they have a lot of fun playing with with uh with the mechanics like that Right, it's it's very clear that the game is made with by a lot of game developer nerds that are also RPG tabletop RPG nerds, which is nice to see that uh, level of attention to detail, and also can be a little tongue in cheek cheesy, also. So your taste, uh, your uh, level of um, you know acceptability of of that will will vary as well. But I I tend to think it's fairly charming. Um, it's it's got the familiar cast from uh, Borderlands 2, like you said. You can start off with any of the, I think it's even all six from the yes, expansion yeah. characters as well. So there is really no introduction. Uh, I think you might start off with a audio log in your inventory, if I recall correctly. Oh, there's the typical um, Marcus um, narrating the, the backstory, basically, as a cutscene, I think. But um, you, you don't get nearly as much character development, I guess you could say, um, from playing a, a 30-hour game leading no, up but maybe to... The playable characters are always part. somewhat ciphers in Borderlands. Um, even in the, in, the, in the base game, they, they don't get a lot of character. I don't, I don't, uh, it's, it's the other NPCs that really br- bring most of the character in this. And, it, and it's always been very... I've always um, found it quite interesting the way they shift the cast of characters over, over the games. Like the... The original playable characters in Borderlands One were very much ciphers with no character, but then in Borderlands Two, they're now NPCs with distinct character, and there's a new cast of of nondescript playable characters. Right. Uh, and so that, that 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 sort of roster change has always been quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, that is a that is a fun tradition. So uh, one cool thing about this game is that I, I didn't realize this until I went back to Borderlands Two, but this particular DLC, it starts at level 29. So it, it's ex- expecting the fact that you are experienced and fully immersed in the, the game mechanisms. So it expects you to be able to handle the sort of the intensity of the action that's going to come into it. But in this one, you're sort of dropped in there. And I would say that the action was pretty, pretty hectic right from the beginning. What would you, what was your opinion on that? I mean, you start out, they start you out with some very basic skeletons. It's not, it's not that the enemies are particularly hard, but it does take a little bit of time to actually get some decent guns. The, 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 they ramp you up pretty quickly in terms of levels. You get, you get like two, you get two level points instead of one, basically every time you, you level up now. Uh, but the, I think that the, the bigger hurdle is just getting, good guns it takes a while to like the 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 better chests don't appear until later levels to give you better 
quality weapons. Uh, so you might just be dealing with a very low-level pistol for the first few areas. It doesn't give you a lot of ways of approaching those first few fights, basically. Yeah, and I guess that's what made me feel like the action was pretty intense when that first proper boss comes out after that sort of fake out, along with the yeah, admittedly weak uh, skeletons, but they're they are there in the numbers. And when you get two uh, perks unlocked per level, once you reach the second uh, level, you have already four. And when you have the third level, you have already six. And it feel like feels like it ratchets the intensity of the action and the chaos in a pretty healthy way. So hmm. I, I would say to a neophyte, someone who hasn't played the series before, like you're going to get a pretty good taste of what the character classes have to offer even in a short amount of gameplay time yeah you can very quickly get in there and start messing with the different uh trees so each character has three skill trees that all work quite differently like i i know um trying to think of an example but i i I was playing gauge the necromancer she has one skill tree that's about summoning her she has a robot companion that she summons in and one skill tree is all about making him really powerful. Uh, one is about making her have debu- uh, chaotic debuffs that makes her always always be shooting, basically. Never never take your finger off the trigger. Uh, just be constantly chaining from one enemy to another. Uh, another one is based on... It, it's called, I think it's, it was originally called like the, the girlfriend mode or something. To start, there's just some uh, disagreement. Uh, but it, it, it basically makes the game easier and like weapons uh, uh, when you aim bullets might bounce off walls and have a chance to auto hit or a chance to not die and things like that basically make taking the standing off the rough edges (laughs) of the game i remember there being a little bit of debate around that (laughs) but but at least the language they used around it uh but it's always very different um ways of approaching each character basically yeah, admittedly, they haven't always handled female characters very well in terms of the writing or the nomenclature. I, I think the sirens' a- a powers were quite condescending, <laughs> condescendingly labeled in the first game, certainly. But it's my firm opinion that the best characters to play are always the female characters in the Borderlands series. They're my favorite anyway. Uh, Maya the Siren in Borderlands 2 is aces and is fantastic. <laughs> and I did enjoy playing as Gage as well. Yeah, Maya's one of the few I never really played a lot of, to be honest. Um, I, I, I feel like she always ha- was better with uh, with friends in, basically, because she she's largely about uh, locking people, locking enemies in place for other pe- other players to be able to then shoot more easily. She always felt like a support character, I guess, and I was usually playing solo, so I didn't, never really messed with her much. I mean, unfortunately, back in the day, I remember Borderlands Two having a lot of problems with. Uh, get with connecting with friends, even like playing with friends locally. It was, it was a game that you had to like op- open uh, was it port forwarding or something. That's something I never really understood. Uh, but it was it was never particularly easy to actually play with friends. Uh, so I'm I'm glad that's been fixed now. We we jumped in a couple of games together and, and ran around. That was quite seamless and and good fun. Yeah, it says something about the age of this game series, how far back it goes, and how many console and uh, technical generations it, it's uh, survived through but I, I you know i've played them all just recently and i would say that they're all still quite playable uh definitely the newer games have uh usability and uh, quality of life improvements and 
Borderlands 2 is probably the most dramatic, being the, the direct sequel, um, having some great improvements, and, and this game benefits from those improvements, like auto-picking up money and some degree of ammo. Not nearly as aggressively as number three <laughs> found with some <laughs> chagrin, but it's still pretty tight. And um, I think the characters are all really well balanced, um, maybe not uh, damage output wise, but that's fine because like you say, it's PVE, not PVP. And uh, yeah, I would uh, I would counter and say that I think Maya is a fantastic soloable character because <laughs> all the characters tend to have a elemental heavy route. And that's the that's the route I always choose uh, to pursue. Yes, <laughs> and when you're phase locking and applying elemental effects and uh, basically vacuum sucking in opponents nearby opponents towards your phase locked enemy, it's just a sight to behold because you can spread all the corrosive or all the fire throughout the entire throng, <laughs> and then just throw a grenade right in the middle of them. So. I think it's just fantastic. And we got to play our two faves uh, right off the bat when we played together. Yeah, yeah, good fun. Uh, I mean, so most, of my, most of my issues, I think, with the game are, are also nitpicks. And a few of those they've, they've improved upon in three, like the, the, the ammo issue, for example. But I, I think largely this game has dated pretty well. It's in the original Borderlands 2, the proper must have been 2011 i think so it's over 10 years old now and it still feels pretty modern uh you, you, you're missing like a, a slide button and a, and a, a, a like a ledge grab grapple but other than that moving around still feels very very smooth uh you the like you you move around at quite a, a clip running around the, the game looks very crisp still the art style has dated very well i think like right. the shading style yeah, it, it, it's worked very well. Comparing it to three, I mean, three is obviously a little more crisp, but it's not like a huge. It doesn't look dramatically different necessarily. Uh, just that art style is pretty timeless, I think. So, and it was some really cool lighting. I seem to recall, and like some of the crypts and things. Um, so the not, not it's not ray tracing, obviously, back in 2011, but there was something like some equivalent of that of like rays of light coming through that were pretty effective. I thought, yeah, it still looks and plays great. I mean, you've got a lot of obviously the the, co- the combination with the guns. It, it, I am constantly surprised just how different they all feel. You might you might see the number. 32 billion or however many it was and and roll your eyes but there is a huge variety in in how they each uh, gun feels and plays i mean primarily in the the different manufacturers i guess each manufacturer has a, a distinct flavor and how that uh, combines with the different weapon types like whether it's a shotgun or a pistol or an assault rifle uh ch- changes it up quite a bit as well so you, it's constant constantly ways of, of, of mixing it up and, and trying new weapons yeah i 100 percent agree with you there is i believe the weapon and the the loot essentially the the variable loot styles and manufacturers uh, is so much more enjoyable and satisfying to play with than anything like destiny or the what's the other one division offers with their very Mm. sort of generic and understated weapons that have you know small degrees of differences this one you you know you see big green numbers and big red numbers and, (laughs) and you see big pluses and minuses and you see the damage numbers just you know 
popping out of the top of the enemy's head like popcorn on full blast uh, as you're mowing them down and it just the feedback is just intensely satisfying like a hyper violent slot machine <laughs> and I, I, that just gives me a flood of dopamine it, it never fails to give me that at the, at the most intense times so i love that and like any other borderlands game if you play with more people the more intense it gets and the better the loot you get so it's 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 um highly satisfying that way as well yeah i mean we only we only played two players and it was pretty chaotic we we're constantly going like um, being being downed basically if you get killed you just go into a down state but if you manage to sh- kill an enemy like you can still shoot while you're in this down state you just can't move around if you manage to kill an enemy while you're downed you get back up again uh and I, when we were playing cooperatively we were just constantly popping down and up again down and up again and like it was, just, it was constantly on the e- playing right on the edge of, of death basically so it was, it was it was quite fun uh bouncing around there but, i mean you, you mentioned division uh, and like Division and, and Destiny and th- those games, for example, I, I feel you're very much looking at the the numbers. The numbers are going up. Like, oh, this this gun has an extra thirty two points damage per second. Whereas this game, the numbers don't really tell the, sto- the full story. You've I mean every the behavior of the guns feels so different. You you may not even you might have to try the gun out just to see how it acts. The yeah, different types 100%. of projectiles and how the manufacturers uh, sort of tw- uh, the, their little flavors interact with it. Uh, they all function so dramatically differently. I, I know my personal favorite is the the Tediador weapons. So whenever you reload them. You basically throw them like a grenade. You just throw away the old gun uh, for an explosion hilarious. damage, like which is a fun little sort of mini mini. It's like the active reload, basically, uh, a little mini game to try and aim, and then you've got a fresh new gun with a with a full clip. <laughs> I love it. It rewards you for having to reload early, and some some extreme extensions of those turn into homing drones or uh, <laughs> missiles, or they turn into stationary or walking turrets that shoot yes. enemies on their own. <laughs> and it's just incredible. Just blows my mind every time I see it. And it's so, so very satisfying. Yeah. I didn't even see any of the legendary guns. Uh, and this playthrough that like are, that are completely unique. I don't, I don't try to remember some of them offhand, but uh, yeah, they, they get pretty wild. <laughs> right. And we shouldn't uh, fail to mention that uh, in addition to guns, that there are grenade mods, which give different effects, mm-hmm. elemental or, damage style effects to the the grenades that you throw as well those are very satisfying in a similar way to how the guns work some might be aoe some might be homing some might do health steal uh they might break into small clusters of bombs yeah it's a a huge variety there too Yeah, they might warp (laughs) they might bounce they might stick yeah fantastic variety (laughs) there Similarly, there are different uh, shields, so they work in different ways, like some of them will absorb bullets that you get hit with, turn that into ammo that goes into your supply, or that they do an elemental burst when they break. Those are super satisfying as well. The enemy variety, I thought, is is, is pretty clever here. Uh, they they get pretty creative in mixing up the enemies, both both in 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 design, but also just the way that you have to fight them. I know there's, there's a couple that require some some unique strategies. There's like some skeleton minotaurs you have to take down and then like run and interact with them, or they 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 respawn. I think there's those pixies. Do you, did you see yeah, those? Yeah, are- yeah, the pixies that you can you can sort of tame them for a, a boost. 
all kill them for a for a for, 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 for a bunch of good loot, but they 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 take quite a bit to take down. They're they're pesky pesky to aim at. <laughs> right. So basically, any sort of traditional D anD D enemy you can think of: knights, orcs, golems, dwarves, dragons, spiders. Uh, Arachnophobia alert, there are a lot of spiders in this game, <laughs> along with treants, wizards, um, and even mimic chests. So, Oh, yes. <laughs> there's, they're not just simple reskins. There's, um, a lot of them are, but some of them are just brand new enemies just for this DLC slash side quest. So check, a, check this out. It's, it's very exciting, uh, even if you're maybe tired of standard enemies in, in Borderlands 2. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing we should, we should discuss a little bit is probably the writing in that I, I know Tiny Tina especially has been the quintessential breaking point for a lot of people. Like the, the, Whether you like Borderlands 2 or not, largely centers on Tiny Tina. I know that was that was the big divisive point uh, back in the day. Um, she was quite representative of the type of humor this game has so um this might be a good a good opportunity to to know, know whether you're uh, whether it works for you or not i mean personally i i i've always been a bit a, a fan um of her she's very over the top obviously <laughs> uh i mean I, I was i was a fan though of ashley birch um I mean, before borderlands she was doing the the hey ash what you're playing uh, YouTube series uh, before she like, she's obviously now very famous with Horizon Zero Dawn and all of that but she's she, I, I've been a fan for a long time so I quite a fan of like her, her the character is over the top but her performance I think is quite good <laughs> right to my understanding I think one of her relatives maybe it was even her brother is uh, on the writing staff or one of the writers knows her essentially Anthony Birch, so, yeah that's right so the role was quite literally written for her Yes. And I think she embodies it well, very well. Uh, no wonder, you know, she's larger than life for her being so energy. <laughs> tiny. That's right. And, you know, I also am a fan of Tiny Tina. I'm a fan of all the characters because I think each iteration gives them more dimension and more heart. And this game has a lot of heart. You know, it's sort of like a, it's, it's like a Doom Patrol versus an Avengers, right? These, these are all like, broken <laughs> faulty people or downright you know scummy but you see their weaknesses and you see their struggles that they go through and they really pull together mm-hmm. and um i think a lot of people might just not have sought out or ignored or forgot that tiny tina the character has actually a very tragic backstory which i won't spoil at this point but i think when you when you do seek that out and you find it in the, sadly, it's not in Tiny Tina's, it's in Borderlands 2, if you discover her audio logs, you find that like there's a sort of reason that like she is a fundamentally broken character and that she's also a child and that this over-the-top way she essentially vocalizes and earn her vocabulary, which I, I'm... If the fault is with the AAVE, I completely understand it is culturally <laughs> appropriative. So I, I'm not going to apologize for that. But from my lens, uh, not being of that culture, I see it as a a broken character who is incredibly awkward for not having any healthy relationships in her life. Arrested development, essentially. 
for sure. Like this is a this is you know a, a character that's experienced trauma, and she's just sucking in, you know, pop culture. Probably watching some Echo Net vids <laughs> or something. It, her is her only friends, uh, sort of like a you know a PO war torn POW having only eighties action movie characters as role models or <laughs> something like that. Um, I, maybe I'm reading a little too deeply into that, but you know, that's what I love about borderlands and the borderlands writing and characters is that you can't take it too seriously. It's all taking the piss. And the amazing thing about these characters is that they grow on you over time because they're so, so broken and they're really, you know, th- it's a hard world. So they're, they're dealing with it though, any way they can. Yeah, I, I, it is a shame that some of the best characterization in the original game is hidden in these sort of optional audio files that you need to collect, basically. Uh, but there, I think there is a surprising amount of heart hidden in that game. It does go through some pretty dark places, both, both like in the story and in, in, in the, those optional audio logs. I mean, I don't know if we want to spoil the whole premise that this game is around, basically. The, the, I mean, the, based on the death of our character in the original game, yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it is like there's there's a, a loss and then there's overcoming that loss, right? Mm. And that's fundamentally the the arc of 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 this particular story. And I remember that hitting pretty hard for for the type of game it is, I thought in the original game and this is uh, very much this whole role-playing campaign is essentially a lens to for the characters to explore their grief it's i mean it's it's very it's very very explicitly about that the, the, the tina especially always asking oh where where is this character where where are they when are they getting here uh, yeah, there's actually of, two characters if you if you recall the the other one that is lost Yes, right. Yes, but you know, and all the, all of the characters are basically expressing this grief in various ways, and this it's it's, it's, it's a very interesting lens to explore these characters and the, um, a, lot, a lot of pathos in how they explore grief and, the, the, and how they expressing it in different ways through the lens of this role playing game. I thought it was quite clever. While I 100% agree with that, and uh, and encourage people to seek out the source material. I think that is only really tangentially or only really touched upon very lightly in this standalone product because yes. you you don't have any opportunity to, to seek out those extra audio logs. You only get the, I guess the main line, <laughs> the main line <laughs> bits and the, and the, what are they? The cutscenes uh, through the course of this particular one. Yeah, but I mean, I, I guess you could probably get the original Borderlands pretty cheap these days. I don't, I don't think we said, but the, this, this standalone was actually free for at least for some time on the Epic Game Store. Uh, I think it, it, might, it may have. I don't think it's exclusive anymore, but it was it was briefly an exclusive, and it was free on on the Epic Game Store. It's it's now costs like fifteen dollars or something. But for the even if you get it on special, you can probably get the whole original Borderlands Two campaign for about the same uh, price. If I mean, if you have the time, that is. If you just want a quick condensed version of 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 get, getting a taste of that, playing with some of the characters and all of their abilities, uh, this is a good chance to do so. I guess. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you're totally right. Uh, it is about $14 Canadian. Uh, you can find it on Steam. That's where I checked it anyways. Right. I presume that's full price, and you could probably even get this version 
on sale as the Wonderlands, uh, the full game is coming out because this is essentially episode zero for that uh, game that's coming out, which I, I, for one, am excited about. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, on one hand, like I, I like the, the this framing device. Uh, they're obviously doubling down on that. It's an older Tina, uh, the from from Borderlands Three, I believe. So the character is somewhat matured uh, now. I, I guess they're no longer eating just crumpets, <laughs> um, but they, I would hope have a bit more nuance to the character by now. And they're having for the first time in any Borderlands game, they have customizable characters, which which could right. be cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. That's one of the things I'm most excited about. Is a uh, that's a direction I thought they would go in the mainline Borderlands. I even thought they would go that way for three, but maybe they're holding that for a future version. Before we do wrap up this conversation, though, I want to say that uh, this particular DLC slash standalone is pretty expansive for what it is. There are some pretty large areas that you go through with a lot of terrain variety. There's definitely like a whole whack of quests. I think maybe you even told me that they might have ported over a some couple, quests. Think, yeah. yeah, a couple so that they they sort of feel uh, like it's it's a much more rich world. Um, and, you know, it has the, the, the tried and true Borderlands sort of backtracking and hub and spoke design. It gives you a lot of reason to return to areas if you're, you know, trying to be a completionist. And it even comes with one of the uh, arena um, levels that can be deviously difficult and have been, you know, a staple of the Borderlands series. So it has one of those built in if you want to keep playing some more. <laughs> so I would say it's it's actually a pretty decent value, especially at free. Especially if you can get a, a group together for it. Those arenas are actually a real blast and can be incredibly hard if um, if you were thinking this was this these sorts of games were a cakewalk. <laughs> um, those can be like throw your controller down difficult yeah i think they're really uh built for a full group of four and even then they're quite tricky so I, i've never had the, had the ability to take them on unfortunately another thing i will say about this particular outing is that it offers a great degree of fan service uh it features a, the whole cast of side characters from borderlands 2 in different contexts like you know this particular character becomes a a sort of a jester and this particular character sort of becomes a defender knight and they sort of recast existing npc characters as npcs in the rpg world (laughs) for extra meta fan service so you might not appreciate the depths of it if this is your first outing but at least there's a variety of characters with different you know skin tones and body sizes and definitely different voices and perspectives (laughs) and one of my favorite quests is uh, ironically called fake geek boy (laughs) which is a fun twist on that actually horrible phenomenon from from a decade ago uh in pop culture they've sort of still still going on today unfortunately but yes right uh that was was a again if i was playing on a a reference but also a fun way of exploring that character uh and and his own insecurities for example uh yeah, there's there's some great references, like um, a return of yet another Game of Thrones reference in here. I won't spoil it, but it's, it's not just the other Game of Thrones reference from uh, Borderlands Two. Yes, you can definitely tell this was this came out in peak uh, Game Game of Thrones uh, <laughs> um, zeitgeist. But yeah, I, as you said, this is definitely a game that's. I think it has pretty good uh, diversity 
what it's worth. The, the one area that, that does feel that it, 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 it has dated quite badly is, is, is quite a bit of ableism, both in the ways, not necessarily in the ways the characters act. I think they're, they're all, all the characters are somewhat manic, Tina especially so, but not particularly it, she she's she's manic in a very manic world, but it's more the way that the characters refer to each other. Like I think the very opening cutscene is like, oh Tina, she's banana nut crazy, and so, so, just some of the language used I think is more problematic than the actual characterization. But then there's also a few some of the enemies rely on this very much circus freak imagery, like the midgets. Like they literally they use that name. Uh, they have renamed it in Borderlands 3, those characters, but they didn't really go back. I, I would have liked to see them make a little more effort to when, for, the, for the re-release to go back and, and update some of that thing. Uh, I can understand how it would be hard to sort of reframe the whole approach to mental health when, you know, you even look at the key art, right, for all of these games. And the key art features very, very prominent uh, a character that a character type that they call psycho. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, so it's pretty it's, baked it's, in. Yeah. It's built right in. I think even one of the DLCs goes into the mind of one of the psycho characters of uh, Borderlands three, if I recall correctly. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like, uh, I sort of see that as, you know, hyped up in a very theatrical way, very much like uh, Alice in Wonderland and the Mad Hatter sort of thing these characters meant primarily to be kooky. Yes. And um, when they show, when they show real, you know, trauma, uh, they do it in a remarkably unstereotypical way. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what, that's what I mean. I, th- I think it's more the language they use more than the actual characterization and behavior is, is right. but it, it's dated a little worse, I think, but uh, your mileage may vary. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if this is the time to wrap it up, but um, I feel like we've covered a good degree. I mean, this is a short game. Let's let's admit it. It's um, you can finish it mainline in what five hours, four hours. Mm-hmm. And if but if you enjoy that, you've got uh, Wonderland's War coming out any day now. Yeah, and and you know if you like, I said if you want to be a completionist, like you could easily spend a dozen hours in this world as well. Personally, I'll just come right and say that while I enjoyed myself playing this, this is as a character as a player coming back to Borderlands. <laughs> you and I beat the game together. We beat the final boss when we logged off from our shared game. I considered playing around a little bit more, and then I haven't played since because I didn't feel compelled to develop my character more, to play some mm. of the final side missions because this character is not transportable, right? I can't take it back to Borderlands 2, and there's no further world outside of this DLC that I can take this character and gain further levels. Um, it's sort of a evolutionary dead end. Yeah, if you if, if you want to feel more investment in your character long term, you have options either the original Borderlands two or three or whichever. If you, you just want a short, if 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 you're more interested in just the the the, the tabletop role playing references and getting a quick bite, uh, this is this is this is an option. <laughs> yeah, agreed. If you just want a taste, this is a great option. But if you want a deep dive, I recommend just getting the whole hog Borderlands to whatever edition they call it now with all of the DLC. Should be able to get it pretty cheap, the especially Handsome with Wonderlands. Jack edition, I think it's called, that includes everything. And the pre-sequel that I keep forgetting exists. <laughs> um, Pre-sequel's pretty fun. Yeah, the Moon Australians. <laughs> the Moon Australians. 
hilarious. I don't know if you find them offensive, but I like that world. I uh, know, mate. Um, I like the low gravity. It's it's really fun. Yeah, I think the, the writing is is the bigger concern, and for for all the for all the digs it gets, I I really like the writing in in Borderlands too. N- nearly nearly had one of my biggest uh, regrets is I ran into Anthony Birch at Shucks. He asked me to play captain sonar with him like just randomly bumped into him oh hey you want to play captain sonar i recognized him panicked and said no (laughs) (laughs) and i regretted it ever since um but yeah i i really like the writing of that specifically Uh, maybe maybe you'll get a chance to rectify that sometime in the future (laughs) actually the other thing i wanted to say is uh bunkers and badasses you can actually play it for yourself now uh leader games who did uh root and oath uh they have released uh like an actual tabletop source book for bunkers and badasses yeah maybe we'll have to get ourselves a maybe a digital copy and um play it online sometime. I've been, yeah, I would see if there's actually a one shot of that, perhaps. <laughs> I've been really wanting to get a role-playing game to the table, maybe with some of our pals or some guests. So um, I'd be happy to DM or bunker master a session of this or some other game system. So maybe that'll give us an opportunity. Sure. Well, I'll, I'll, re- I'll reach out to my friends at Leader and uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> yeah, that would be fantastic. Um, so I will say uh, this to cap it off is I think uh, Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep is a, you know, short and sweet. It's a fun romp through a fantasy RPG world. And if it's, uh, if you're just looking for a chance to dip your toes into Borderlands, it's a great cheap way to do that. And I wholeheartedly recommend it that way. A big plus as well is in this scary world filled with so many sort of self serious, grim, dark games. This game really isn't that. And it pokes fun and, um, it definitely takes me back to warmer, funner, uh, more fun times uh, when the world was a little bit more sane, uh, <laughs> playing in this insane world. Couldn't say it better myself. Yeah, I, I, I agree pretty much with all of that. <laughs> Fantastic. Should we uh, leave it there and uh, maybe talk about our next game? Yes, yeah. Um, so next, next episode is actually going to be a bit of a special occasion. We have... Uh, a local convention coming up, Terminal Terminal City Tabletop Convention, TCTC. Uh, unfortunately, not going to be in person this year. Still going to be a, 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 an online digital affair, but that means you can all join us as well. So we're actually going to be doing a, a special event uh, as part of their stream. Uh, what, what are we going to be playing, Mark? Yeah, well, we were sort of racking our games as to a, a good game type. And we wanted, um, since it's going to be a stream, a live stream, we wanted a game that maybe players could either play along with or sort of experience in a sort of a, a live play. So we knew it had to be short. So I recommended a, a twist that I might actually uh, teach you, uh, Daniel, a uh, brand new game. <laughs> yeah, it's a game that I happen to know you said you wanted to learn. So I'm holding you to that. It's a game I've mentioned before. It's called Lost Cities, the card game. It's a classic by Reiner Knizia. I wholeheartedly recommend it. I've recommended it before. And it's a sort of one of those games where you instantly want to play it again. And uh, in a typical night, uh, you know, with my wife, I would play it three times over. Best out of three. (laughs) So we'll easily be able to play it at least one time during the the stream and maybe a couple times and uh, i'm excited to teach you this new game 
Yeah, it's been always been a bit of a, a blind spot for me. Uh, but uh, just take it easy on me, okay? <laughs> uh, and we'll see. We'll see what we get time for. I uh, hope you can all join us, and we'll, we'll of course, have have a, have a bit of a chat about what else we've been playing and some other goings on around the con. Uh, I'm also going to be streaming. Oh, I guess we should say that that stream is going to be on Saturday, right? Yes, yeah, Saturday. Uh, Saturday, March twenty sixth. All right, we just confirmed the dates, and it is the twenty sixth and the twenty seventh, and I, I believe we're on on the twenty sixth. But you can okay. check out the schedule; it's live right now at their website, terminalcitycon.ca. Yep, and I will also be. I mean, I'm still looking at the details, but I, I I may also be streaming on the Sunday under uh, my board game feast nom de plume, hoping to be joined by uh, our friend Dennis, who joined us for a uh, our, our live play of Architects. Yeah, that's right. And if anyone is interested in trying out Lost Cities in advance, you can go check it out right now on Board Game Arena. It's got a pretty good version. Uh, so I, I guess a couple of quick plugs. I am, I haven't been streaming the last week or so just with, with illnesses, but I'm trying to get back into the, into the rhythm of that. I've got a couple of, just bought a couple of tech upgrades that I'm excited to play with. So going to be streaming, uh, next, over the next couple of weeks, uh, on board game feasts on Twitch. So I've got my Sunday night morrowind streams and i'm gonna mess with a little bit of uh cooking streams so stay tuned for more information there usually on uh twitter i'm announcing my upcoming plans i'm looking forward to joining everyone uh yourself and uh, i want to thank andrea for inviting us to be on stream at terminal city tabletop convention Yes, very excited to, to talk to everyone again. It's sad that we, we can't be meeting in person, uh, but it's uncertain times, unfortunately. Uh, best, to, best to keep the, the community safe uh, and hopefully get to meet up again soon. That's right. Well, uh, you should not uh, hesitate to go and sign up for uh, TCTC right now. It's free, I believe. Yes, whether yeah, you're in Vancouver or not. <laughs> there you go. Join us. You have no excuse. Okay. Well, I hope to see you all at the convention, uh, and I hope you get in lots of games, uh, Mark, and everyone listening. <laughs> thanks thanks for listening to another episode of the Omni Gamers Club. That's right. I'm going back to Borderlands right now. Same, actually, yes. <laughs> Bye, Mark. See ya. Bye. Bye.